0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick Six Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. We got a super friends episode coming today. A lot of rules updates to hit on. Today, the cloudy news. We are uh we are uh taking our clowny ban off because there's actual news. Uh Jalen Ramsey buzz. Antonio Brown buzz. A lot of news in the offseason. And though- Brinson is buzzed. Uh I am not Buzz John Breach. It's 3 o'clock on a Thursday. That's classic Brinson Buzz time. Maybe I should be Buzz. Should I be Buzz?
1: I I just assume you were anytime we talk. I agree with, with Breach. Yeah, I'm disappointed,
2: quite frankly, that you're not.
1: I mean, I can get a beer if you want. We got to start the podcast over so that Brinsley can be buzzed because this doesn't even make sense. I don't know what's happening right now.
0: I, mean, You know, I'm generally not buzzed for most of these podcasts, right? <laughs> I, hope, I hope so. You do
2: eight <laughs> podcasts a week. I hope I you're am. Not that much. I mean, I, well, I mean,
0: <laughs> I mean, so it's seven days a week. I mean, I mean, well, anyway, look, we can get to the quarantine thing. Man, I made a joke about the quarantine, the corona elves coming and drinking a bottle of red wine every night on Twitter. And some guy that follows me, like immediate reply was like, if you need help, you can DM me. I was like, Jesus, dude, come on. Like, <laughs> Well, he probably thought what I thought because I saw the text, the tweet originally. Oh, right? it's a funny tweet. Well,
3: I know you thought it was funny because you retweeted <laughs> it the next morning. That's <laughs> the way I thought it was funny. But that was the
0: hangover retweet, you see. Well,
1: are you sure he wasn't an exterminator who exterminates Corona elves?
0: <laughs> That's a fair but, point.
1: Come on, Brinson. You got to think it's hey, true. I
0: had like, what was it? I think I had like two beers last night and one was a Miller Lite, so that doesn't even really count. That
3: doesn't sound like anyone with a problem.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> fair, that's fair. Um, anyway, maybe you're, uh, maybe you're sitting around wondering when will football be here? Maybe you're sitting around wondering how good is my college football team? And if that's the case, because college football is inching closer, you need to check out the Cover 3 podcast. It's the perfect time right now to unveil off-season rankings, and that's what our pals Chip Patterson, Barton Simmons, Tom Fennelli are doing right now all throughout May. The Cover 3 College Football podcast has been counting down their preseason top 25 in separate episodes, and this week they have focused on the top five. If you're listening on Friday, number one has already been unveiled. Hint from Debo, it's not NC State. Thanks, Debo. It's also not William & Mary. It's not Miami of Ohio, and it's not Cal either because y'all's teams suck too. Don't worry. It's not a huge time commitment either. Chip Patterson and the company have been breaking down each team in their hurry-up hot seat series in under 15 minutes. It's basically the opposite of this podcast. Catch up on all the pods for insight on the top teams of the nation. Download, subscribe to Cover 3 Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else podcasts are found. All right, let's dive into the news We'll start with, um, I'm going to flip it on Debo's rundown here. We're going to start with, uh, the rules update and, uh, John Breach. There have been new rules updated and your fourth and 14 proposal that you submitted to the NFL that they finally, uh, thought about putting in place has actually been tabled, right?
1: Yeah, not voted down. The key difference. He voted down is like, we hate this. We're not doing it. I'm a little disappointed this didn't pass. I think that all of us unanimously would have voted to pass this. Obviously, we've talked about this 4th and 15th thing, but apparently the, the, there's a few owners out there who uh, just weren't happy with the way the rule's written. They want a few more details. They want another year to look at this. You've already had a year to look at this. The Broncos proposed this rule last year with a slight difference. They were going to vote on it in 2019. They didn't even get to the voting stage uh, because the rule got tabled before that. And now this year, it gets to the voting stage, uh, gets tabled again. So I don't know how you rewrite this rule in such a way that it passes. I thought the way they had it was good. Uh, you know, I know there's some old school owners who don't want to see these dramatic changes in the NFL. But, you know, like this is something that would spice up games. It can only be done a maximum of four times per game because two times by each team, not a big change. So I am pretty disappointed to see that this did not pass.
0: By the way, uh, Michael Lopez, uh, at statsbylopez on Twitter, who is, um, I, I believe he's the, I don't know what his exact title is, at the NFL, but he's in the data, data and analytics department with the NFL. It's an interesting thread. Uh, I retweeted it, but, um, you know, we look at the percentage of onside kicks, onside kicks recovered and we sort of try to make our determination about that. Well, it's, he, he pointed out that since 2018, it's misleading to look at the actual the, the the just the raw number because 70% of surprise onside kicks have been recovered and when you actually look at the number of expected onside kicks that have been recovered it's almost none and so the nfl wants to create a way to make games closer at the end they want to give teams a chance to to make comebacks and i i agree john i think this is a good way to do it a fourth and 15 is tough to deal with there are problems that you could face like pass interference Um, you know, uh, holding, uh, defensive holding, where the team gets a first down, roughing the passer, et cetera. We talked about that. Those things will all come in play. But, I mean, football doesn't have to remain the same forever. It's it's okay to make some changes.
3: Yeah, and and I think that's the sort of the big takeaway because people like things the way they usually are. They don't like change. And then, you know, once change happens, people are fine with it. I, I would imagine that people will like the idea of expanding the playoffs to seven teams. And I would imagine... That even though, um, most folks are against it, they will eventually get over the idea of having, uh, an extra game or two on the regular season schedule whenever that happens. Um, the issue on the regular season schedule expansion is, is, is you know, you're, you're valuing money over health. Uh, I think in, in typical cases, like rules changes and, and the, the playoff expansion is just, well, I like it the way it used to be. Why fix something that isn't broken? And usually it works out where you end up liking it more.
0: Um, cash, cash- rate. Can yeah, I ask Breach yeah.
2: something real quick? Because I I like the 4th and fifteen proposal, and I'd rather have that than what is currently in place for the onside kick. I really do wish, though, there was a way to create some sort of onside kick that is still revolved around kicking, because I don't want to devalue the kicking position. So I'm wondering if Breach, who's obviously our kicking expert, is is there any idea that could replace the current onside kick that still involves kickers or punters?
1: Well, I mean, this, if the fourth and 15 proposal passed, it doesn't eliminate onside kicks. You, you can still onside kick the ball. And as Brinson mentioned with the surprise onside kicks, you know, like those are still an option. If a team is down one score with three minutes left in the game, they have two timeouts, you know, that's where you pull off a surprise onside kick because the opponent who's ahead might think that You're going to kick it deep. They might be ready for the onside kick. There are, you know, and we saw Sean Payton pull off a surprise onside kick in the Super Bowl back in 2009 with the Saints and the Colts. Uh, so I still think the onside kick is the best way to do this because you don't want something that can convert at like a 50% rate. Like that just, it's got to be a high risk play. And one thing I will say that I like about fourth and 15 over the onside kick is that you can advance the ball. One thing that gets lost in onside kick is if you recover it, it is dead where you recover it. So you're only gaining if you're the kicking team you recover at 10 or 11 yards downfield that's where you get it so you're usually taking over a 45 46 yard line if you convert convert this fourth and 15 you might score a 75 yard touchdown like crazy things yeah. can happen that cannot happen on an onside kick and so i like that element of surprise so i do think this will eventually pass but just obviously not this year
0: yeah i mean the, the fourth and 15 is interesting cuz like you can you can run like you can run a draw you know what I mean? like you don't have to like i mean if you have, if you're the Panthers and you want to run a draw, like, would it surprise, let me, let me phrase that differently. If John Fox were still a head coach in the NFL, do you think he'd run a draw on fourth and 15? Cause I do. I mean, like, you can, like, you're going to have people dropping back into 15 yard coverage. You could try and find ways to surprise him. You could run a draw that ends up being a pit. Like, there's a bunch of different stuff you could do. You could do it like a, you know, triple option. There are going to be crazy plays that come into play. Or maybe you just take a shot down field and look for a home run if you're down two touchdowns and there's a PI left. Yeah, look for PI. Exactly. So, I mean, I think it'll be the analytics of operating with, like, the, not just the analytics of comparing onside kicks to 4th and 15, but also the analytics within 4th and 15. Like, what are the best plays to run here, given the score and stuff, I think would be fascinating. There were three playing rules uh approved as part of the NFL, uh, NFL votes, including by Philadelphia to, a, uh, to amend Rule 15 Section 2 to make permanent the expansion of automatic replay reviews to include scoring plays and turnovers negated by a foul and any successful or unsuccessful try attempt, essentially.
1: AKA, Princeton's favorite rule in the entire rulebook.
0: This actually is my favorite rule of the entire rulebook. I love Rule 15 Section 2. I live Rule 15 Section 2. <laughs> I apply it to my day-to-day life, and I believe that it's one of the fundamental tenets of how we should operate as human beings Across the scope of the globe, um, basically they need to figure out when a penalty occurred to, to see if it negated a penalty, to, if it negated the touchdown. Uh, because typically speaking, you wouldn't have that review on a on a play that was not score. It wouldn't be an automatic review on a scoring play. So they go back and look at it automatically on a play that was negated by a touchdown. It's a pretty simple and obvious rule that really doesn't need a whole lot of examination. But if there does, for whatever reason, we will give it to you later on because there's a lot of off-season, and again this is already in place last year so not shocking stuff uh the competition committee also expanded defenseless player protection to a kickoff or punt returner who's in possession of the ball but has not had time to avoid or ward off the impending contact of an opponent can't wait for that one to be controversial The competition committee uh, or proposed by the competition committee uh, prevents a team from manipulating the game clock by committing multiple dead ball fouls while the clock is running, a.k.a. the Belichick rule, a.k.a. the Belichick got snaked by Mike Vrabel rule, a.k.a. Ryan Wilson's favorite rule.
3: Yeah, I think we have to call it the Vrabel rule because Vrabel, Belichick, Belichick when it counted most. Because I think Bill Belichick did that in that Jets beatdown where Sam Darnold was seeing ghosts. I think that was the game. Yeah. Adam Gates was pissed. And then, right, for a number of reasons. And then Vrabel did in the playoffs when it actually mattered.
0: Should we uh should we call it like the Miyagi rule because the the grasshopper finally got the uh the sensei uh very
3: Mr. Miyagi didn't. Mr. Miyagi was the sensei.
0: Right, but the whole point is that like Belichick is the sensei and the great you know what I'm like you...
3: yeah, I guess.
0: It makes sense, right? Sean, you're the movie guy.
3: Yeah.
0: Every analogy you would jam into, you know, a newsletter if you ran one, right?
1: And what in my favorite part of this Longshot. whole entire thing is that Belichick literally said after that Jets game? He said, "quote That's probably a rule, a loophole that will be closed and probably should be closed, but right now it's open." Unquote. And so he—it's basically he was throwing that rule in the NFL's face to say, hey, "Let's get rid of this." And I love that Vrabel threw it back in his face.
2: I and I, but this is the most Belichick thing ever. Where like he is the only one who has figured out this loophole, and yes, it comes back to bite him in the butt later um, when he gets it used against him. But it like, it also reminds me in. Was it against the Ravens in 2015, uh, maybe earlier when they ran those formations that John Harbaugh thought was illegal. And then afterwards Brady told Harbaugh to learn the rule book. This is like the Patriots always push the rule book to the exact limit. And obviously some would say they take it past the rule book a few times.
0: Uh, by the way, if you Google Bill Belichick's smile, the first thing that auto populates is Jets game.
2: That's the only instance that he smiled
0: (laughs) Well he just famously And it's like it's the best Belichick smile Because it's like in game And he's like he's 33 to nothing I mean they're absolutely humiliating The Jets there's 10 minutes left in the game And Adam Gase is over there just like Ah, like freaking out. His face is turning red. He can't believe it. He's like, and, and Belichick's like, got this. Like, I mean, I just pants you in front of the entire country in the middle of a humiliating beatdown, grin on it. He's trying, he's like desperately trying to fight back this big grin uh, because he took down Gates. It is, uh it is quite delightful. Uh, also in the playing rules, a bylaw summary, uh, this is proposed by the league office increases the number of players that may be designated for return from two to three incorporates interpretations available to applicable to bye weeks during the regular season and postseason. I think what they mean to say is return from injured reserve. As you can see, not necessarily always a great explanation of the rules changes that they make from the NFL league office.
1: Yeah, this is a smart rule. And, and I think the crazy thing is just a couple of years ago, this was only one player you could yeah. bring back from injured reserve. Then it went up to two. Now it's at three. I always thought it was kind of like if you get hurt and you can come back and play, why wouldn't you be allowed to play? You can only bring back one person. Uh, so it's good that it, the numbers now three.
0: Yeah, I think it should be more. Max it out. Um, give it, that team's use as many as they want. If somebody wants to cut, like, they shouldn't have to pick and choose. If somebody can come back, I agree with you completely. Let them do it. Uh, okay, so those are the rules changes. As we noted, the 4th of 15 was tabled. That's sort of the big one. Also, surprisingly, in my opinion, the Sky Judge proposal was withdrawn. Uh, there were two of them, one to establish a booth umpire and the other to create a senior technology advisor to the referee. Um, those were submitted uh, together by the Ravens and Chargers. And they were not endorsed by the competition committee. This really surprises me. This is such an easy fix. Just do what college football does or take look at college football and copy it. College football is a disaster most of the time, and they get replay right.
2: I, I really do think this is a reaction to the failed pass interference rule because I think when that was passed, a lot of people, and I thought it was a good idea after what happened in the NFC Championship game, this was an easy solution to fix a clear problem. And then it opened up a whole nother can of worms and it made the NFL look really bad when they didn't get it together. And I'm not defending the NFL. I just think that they think they need more time to be able to implement this in a way that doesn't embarrass them because we've seen when they try to do it all of a sudden after only one offseason, it does not go well. And uh was it Troy Vincent actually, I think last week or a couple of days ago, um quarantine brain uh, has everything pushed together. He was saying that the pass interference world was an utter disaster. And we need to make sure anything new that we do, we actually know how to implement it before we do it. So to me, I would guess this gets passed next year. And I and it sounds like they're going to experiment with things in the preseason. And that's my guess is it'll happen next year. They just don't feel comfortable enforcing it right now. And the other thing I'll say is the XFL did this. And it was still a colossal disaster at times. You guys remember that game where there was three seconds left and they just ran off all remaining time on the clock, and the guy, Sky Judge, sat there and didn't fix a single thing.
1: Well, and I think one other issue with the Sky Judge is, is this going to be, like, full-on dictator? How much power is this guy going to have? Because, like, you could literally call holding on every single play. You know, I think you've heard people say that before. Can the Sky Judge ding down on every single play and say, hey, there was holding there that you guys missed? So there are things that you kind of have to figure out so that, uh you know,
2: there's not a penalty called every single play. And Peter King actually tweeted yesterday three issues with why it was tabled. One, he said unintended consequence. What if the coach throws a challenge flag as the official in the booth is telling the ref on field to change the call? Two, there aren't 17 qualified people, which probably says a lot about the NFL's officiating department. Three, the time frame to make a call is so condensed; Sky judge may not see replay in time. So, you know, if a team was going to hurry up and not huddling, they wouldn't have time to buzz down and, and make a change.
0: The the whole thing of not being able to find 17 competent people, a bunch of people reported that. I'm not like I saw it from Peter King and elsewhere. It's like that clearly came from the league office. Why would you say that? Why would you leak that out? Like, what are you do- What is the point of it? Like, we can't find 17 people who can, who know do the a-
1: rules and watch yeah.
0: for, <laughs> like, well, here, here's a night. Well, I mean, this is a, a pre-quarantine idea, but go down to a local bar and like find 17 guys, sober them up, stick them in the replay booths, and let them, and let them handle this. It ain't Brinson, that hard. Brinson will do it for free. Yeah. You don't have to sober me up. No, I won't do it for free. Same. I don't do anything for free. <laughs> I demand a moderate raise to, to do the, it. The sky judge. Yeah, I wanna I wanna I wanna be compensated fairly for the work that it will require to do what they're asking me for. Me. You, be the the sky worst.
1: Judge. you would be the worst sky judge.
0: I'd be a great sky judge. Like, no, oh
3: you wouldn't. God. You'd be tweeting the whole time and not paying attention to the game. instance,
1: <laughs> LOL, did you guys see that horrible mispass interference and people be tweeting like you you're the sky judge of the game. You missed it. You were supposed to call
3: it.
0: I'm like videotaping the sky judge thing to like tweet out the, the video of the the missed call instead of buzzing down <laughs> to, to like replay it. Are you uh, the, the guy
3: I know you are. I just want confirmation. Like when you're on family vacation, you make everyone in the room pause the television so you can go back and tape something and tweet it out. <laughs> do
0: you do that? Yeah, obviously, right?
3: <laughs> can you imagine having like 8 uh, people at a vacation spot like, whoa, whoa! whoa. I got to rewind this and tape it." Oh, why do you need to do that? It's for Twitter. And people just throw rotten bananas at you.
0: Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say I do it much, but I mean, like if it's something big, in fact, uh one of the big the one of the most watched vines I think I ever had back in the day, was at the, uh, t- a Tiger Woods at a U.S. Open and, uh, he like cold shanked one, I think, or like totally topped it into the, the rough. And you can hear my, uh, my brother in law Walker cackling in the background because I, we rewound it and watched it at a family vacation.
1: Guys, it's not even June and Brenton is already bragging about his most watched vines. Oh, right. What is going on here?
0: It's a long off season. Boy,
3: <laughs> are you um, on TikTok,
0: Brinson? Am I on TikTok? I am not. I think I have a TikTok account, but I'm not. That's-
3: I've- the way my uh eighteen year old nephew describes it to me, that's sort of like the new age Vine.
0: Yeah, I mean I'm you know, look, I'm not really into Vine.
3: Well, hmm. I already signed up with the name
1: at Will, but Vine, so you'll have to come up with something else. Or pay Breach off for the name.
0: Vine's dead, Breach.
1: I mean on TikTok.
0: <laughs> Good story. Uh okay, let's take a quick break. When we come back, more news from the NFL plus quarterback battles. All right, so Jadavion Clowney, uh, we love Jadavion Clowney on this show. Love talking Jadavion Clowney, preferably every day if we can.
2: Landing spots, though. Only landing spots.
0: Only his landing spots. Over and over in a, in a, in a never-ending, time is a flat circle. Did you guys
2: know Mike Rabel coached Jadavion Clowney in Texas, and they had the best years together?
0: I heard some buzz about that. Uh, Clowney John, Report. you didn't even
1: cite me. That's my fact.
0: <laughs> Judeven Clowney, according to, I don't want to say it's a report. This is always dicey, but Adam Schefter said this on Cleveland radio. It's like, why did not you write the story that, uh, Judeven Clowney turned down a big contract from the Cleveland Browns. And I think big offer is, has, needs to be put in context here because it's a big offer, I believe relative to, it's the biggest offer he's gotten to date. Not a very big offer in terms of what Clowney wanted. Uh, Tom Pelissero of NFL Media reports that Clowney is in no rush to sign. Uh, do you think that the Browns would be wise to maybe make a bigger splash, Sean, and try to land Clowney?
2: Yes. And I, and I feel like I'm the minority here who still thinks that the Browns are good enough to make the playoffs. And oh, I, I, even with the roster as currently constructed. And I know Ryan disagrees because he said Tyrod Taylor was going to have a better season than Baker Mayfield on HQ. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think for, in the, for Clowney's perspective, if you look at all the teams that we've been connecting him with, uh, I, I, I think the Browns are right up there with the Seahawks and the Titans. Like, no, they're probably not as good of a team, but he's not, these aren't the Cleveland Browns of old. And I know they had a bad season, but I really think if you add Clowney to that defense, he doesn't have to be the 1A pass rusher. That's Miles Garrett. I think the rest of the defense is good enough to maybe be top half of the league, top 10 potentially. And if you add him, I I mean, I think that really would push them over the top from a fringe 500-ish team to maybe a 9-10 win wildcard team.
3: So and wait a second. It, that implication means that uh, Jadavion Van is worth one or two wins? Is that what you're saying?
2: One win, maybe. He's a run stuffer. So you don't think the Browns – I mean, from the Browns' perspective, why wouldn't you want Clowney?
3: Their defense is actually young and pretty stacked, especially up front. Miles Garrett. On the outside, they uh, Adrian Claiborne, they signed, but they have Olivier Vernon in front of him. How many, like, edge rushers do you need? Like, how many are you going to be able to, to cycle well, through? All what, of
2: them. All of them, Ryan. You but the, they're not going to have to give him a long-term deal where they're going to have to pay him a bunch of money. Like, no, they, this is going to be a want, short-term deal.
3: They offered him the highest.
2: But we don't know what that amount is. I mean, that could be a one-year. I'm guessing that's still a one-year deal because he's not getting any multi-year offers at the money he wants.
3: I don't think. I mean, the I don't. I, I mean, I don't care if he signed with Cleveland. I'm fine with that. But the fact that he didn't, I think Cleveland should move on. It's not a big deal, in my opinion, in terms of making that team um, average or good. But well, no.
2: yeah. I mean, that's what I was going to say. Is I think if you can get him on that one year deal, absolutely. But I wouldn't. I don't know in this offseason when you can't check out his knee. If I'm giving him a multi year deal where you're committing millions of dollars, and if it doesn't work out, you suddenly have to cut cut him and pay dead cap uh, next year.
3: Although, and to be clear to follow up with Sean said earlier about me. I said, I wouldn't be surprised or maybe even shocked if Tyrod Taylor had a better year than Baker Mayfield. And of course, Brady Quinn immediately pointed me out to cold takes exposed. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I thank you for that. But
1: I will say that I was on live on HQ with Ryan when he said that. And, uh, I had to hold back my laughter, Ryan. <laughs> this Aaron lie. Got a, Maybe we can bet a Cheesecake Factory gift card on who has a better year. A Cheesecake Factory gift card.
3: Look it up. Um <laughs> Look, I don't think it's. I think Baker Mayfield will have a better season than Tyrod Taylor. But if you told me, I think Tyrod might might throw for more yards and more more completions and, and fewer interceptions, I could be like, yeah. I
2: the fewer interceptions thing it would be a lock. I, I would take that in a heartbeat. But if you want to go passing yards, I will take that bet right now.
0: Absolutely. All right. The thing about, is, about, how like, much? How let's make the
3: bet. Let's make no, it. I'm not saying I'm making it. I'm, I'm saying okay do you, you having that statement. He's just about, saying
2: he wouldn't be surprised, for instance.
3: What about this? I would be surprised. Better, uh, efficiency according to football outsiders. If they both play 10 plus games.
2: Well, DVOA is per play, so we could just, no matter what, do it by DVOA.
3: Yeah, but I mean, if he plays four games and then gets benched for Justin Herbert, that sort of throws it out the window.
0: Well, you would claim victory on that wager if he was benched for Justin Herbert after four games.
3: No, I wouldn't. I said. I, I said that throws it out the window in terms of not being much of a bet because Baker obviously.
2: Yes, was, that's the whole point that we're, we're suggesting is that that that's how badly it could go I, for Tyrod. Tyrod
0: Taylor has never thrown for more than three thousand and fifty yards in a single season. He was. He was. He came to the league in two thousand and eleven.
3: That's so why. Odds, I said, he doesn't start a lot, but that's why I said, look at the. Efficiency metric, whether it's DY, 40, 40, 46 starts. Okay. Look, it's, it's a pretty hot take. I understand that, but I mean, it's not the craziest thing I've ever said. Uh, it might be actually. It might be. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Um, <laughs> I will certainly hear about it if, uh, this could turn into the new Devontae Parker debate. Yeah. I, yeah that way. I
0: will say that there's like a, a reasonably viable path to, um, I guess here's the viable path to it happening. I don't know if it's reasonably viable, but like Kevin Stefanski, they ran the ball a ton in, in Minnesota. I think he's going to want to mitigate mistakes uh when he comes to Cleveland. I think they'll try and run the ball a bunch with Nick Chubb and try and use play action. So maybe Baker Mayfield, I mean, does Baker Mayfield attempt less than 500 passes next year? That's like, the how, question. How many, did, like how many did uh
3: Tom Brady attempt last year? Like, I don't know what that, like how I many is 500 a lot or a little?
2: Well, Kirk Cousins last year attempted 444.
3: Okay. That's okay. 500 sounds like, okay, that, that's in 15 upper.
2: games. He set out the last week.
3: All right. So another even 30, 470. That seems like upper, upper limit. So in, right?
0: it, in Tyrod Taylor's, uh, three years with the Buffalo Bills where he, st- he started most of the games in each of those years and we can use, uh, football, uh, excuse me, pro football references. Um, you know, you you click on multiple seasons and it does a little circling thing, and then it pops up the average. Uh, But it also gives you a per sixteen game average. His per sixteen game average is four hundred forty nine pass attempts.
3: Well, that so might my, be in his best interest then in, in this matchup with Baker, given
0: Stefanski's now the OC coach/slash coach. No, I'm saying, I mean, like I think Tyrod Taylor, if if more passing yards than Baker, absolutely has to hit four
3: hundred fifty. Yeah. No. No, I agree with that. And look, we talk about Stefanski running the ball. Anthony Lynn likes to run the ball too. So it could be like a, a matter of uh two guys that have 200 attempts going, going, going neck to neck.
0: No, I mean, I, I, what I'm saying is, I think Anthony Lynn is going to run the crap out of the ball, slow the game down, play Everything. a bunch of defense, use Tyrod Taylor's legs and efficiency and non-interceptions to try and win football games, and they're going to score like 17 points per game or like 20. They're going to try to be like the Bills, uh, you know, with a more like he wants. To, I don't. I just don't think. I guess what I'm saying is, I don't know if the path for Tyrod Taylor to get to 3,500 yards is there. And
2: and if the Chargers suddenly suck out of the gate, they're gonna bench Tyrod, even if he's playing okay, to put Herbert in, so he has the long audition. But if
3: the Browns suck out of the gate,
2: they're not benching Baker for Keenum, unless I don't know. Case
1: Keenum and Stefanski went to the NFC title game together, Sean.
0: Who was I? Who are we talking about? Baker was it with JLC, or was it was it a talk about? Was it with? It all blends together. Well, just like I mean. It's like, I mean, Baker Mayfield was, we were saying after his first year in the league, it's like, all right, look, you're taking Mahomes first, but maybe, like, maybe Baker's too. And now it's like, is, if Baker stinks this year, like, are the Browns going in a different direction?
2: Well, and that's I can, what I said on HQ. I mean, I can see it going either way. I just feel like he will get as many reps as possible because, because of that question, Princeton. They're, they need to know if they're going to go in another direction. So I feel like even if he's sucking and bringing the team down with them, they need to let it play out the whole year so they know what they have in him. Before.
3: I will say this. I think he will be fine. Uh, two words, Freddie Kitchens. Uh, Freddie Kitchens shows up, calls the same play 25 times a game. Somehow defense figure figured it out and break Baker struggles. I, I think Baker's going to have a, pass.
1: I mean, in Baker's defense, what? his past two seasons his coaches have been Freddie Kitchens and Hugh Jackson. You know, like yeah. that's not exactly a recipe for success. So I think he, you should cut him a little bit of slack, but this is, feels like a make or break year. I do agree with that.
3: That no, is- i I think i like I said I think he will have a good year i I mean I was put on the spot I had to say something different than than breach he was stealing on my lines, so I Darn. said, yeah maybe Tyron has a better year. I wouldn't be surprised. It would be surprising <laughs>
0: <laughs> i mean the char- look at the char- look the browns stink every year. If the Browns stink and Baker's like gets yanked for Keenum and the Chargers win 12 games, there's a, like maybe it's a case. I I think, I just think volume is not your friend. I can
2: already see how this is going to happen. The Chargers are going to make the playoffs and Tyrone's going to be like 800 yards short and Ryan's going to say if he throws for 800 yards in the Super Bowl run, it counts over Baker. Yeah. Because
0: that was your argument for Devontae Parker. Yeah. I know. (laughs) Well, I mean, this is a a classic pick six podcast tangent, but I mean, I do think that. Like if you're going to, if you're going to make, if you're going to make that Tyrod Taylor bet, or you're going to make a bold proclamation about Tyrod Taylor, it needs to be grounded in efficiency, not volume. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I mentioned the football o- outsiders thing to so us, just, but on HQ, you just were like, he's no. going to be better. I
3: said that because it was a throwaway line. And then 30 minutes said, later, yeah, regretted I get, it. no, I didn't regret it at all. Cause I was like, ah, oh, just me and breach on a, on a Saturday afternoon. No one's watching. Um, Thirty minutes later, the social
0: team had tagged Baker Mayfield, <laughs> and, and tagged the Browns, had tagged Odell Beckham, so, and tagged like, had tagged like Lincoln Riley, like the Oklahoma football team, like, like everybody. Baker Mayfield's mom and dad, like Baker Mayfield's girlfriend, like tagged everybody in the play. Like, what do you think?
3: Well, producer Andrew Bommer emailed me and said, "Hey, here's the video. If you want to email it out," and I was thinking, "Man, eh, I, I really don't," but because I know you guys are trying to get this stuff out there, I'll email it, and then you know, email it out and or tweet it out, and that was a wrap. Brady got involved. And you know, I got people yelling at me about. It. Oh, you tweeted
2: this out yourself? Oh my god, you did tweet this out yourself? And
3: Brady
0: tagged old takes exposed. Yeah,
3: yeah, I tweeted out because Bomber asked me to. I was like, yeah, sure, no problem. And then Brady threw gasoline on fire. <laughs> uh But what what are you going to do?
0: Um, okay. Sure All right. So, thank you, Jaden Clowney, for springboarding that debate. Let's get to Jalen Ramsey, who says he won't hold out. Set to make $13.7 million in the final year of his rookie deal, which is the, I believe the fifth. that is the fifth year option of his rookie deal, obviously. Uh, Ramsey said, the Rams know where I stand, and I think that's all that matters at the end of the day. Sean McVay said to NFL Media, we went and got this guy with the hope that it's not a short-time thing. Uh, I'll say this. If the Rams fail to secure a long-term extension with Jalen Ramsey, it is an unmitigated debacle. On the part of Les Sneed to give up two first round picks for Ramsey. And even if you make him the highest paid cornerback and like you even, you can even say that it's a problem if you make him the highest paid cornerback in the league as well.
2: Well, isn't this the thing we're saying about the Tunzel deal and how the Texans just had no leverage? It's Jalen Ramsey has all the leverage here because they can't let him walk because then they burned two first round picks by getting a rental player in a year they didn't make the playoffs. Uh, they have, I think they have to make
3: him. The Rams had leverage when they had Marcus Peters before they traded him.
2: I think they have to make him the highest-paid player, but it's more about you can't do what the Texans did with Tunsil—make him what was it, four million dollars per year more than the next closest left tackle. You can make him the highest-paid player. I would uh highest-paid player at his position, given his age and how good he's been. But you can't blow it out of the water.
0: I—I I mean, I think that, and I am not trying to open up a Dak Prescott uh, can of worms here. By any stretch of the imagination, but I think it is important that like, okay, you know, you had a cornerback market a year ago that was smaller than it is now. The cornerback and quarterback and pass rusher and left tackle salaries aren't going down. So if you want to pay Jalen Ramsey, you should do it sooner rather than later because the way that the NFL economics work is that after you pay him in a couple of months, more than likely, the deal isn't going to look that bad. He's not going to take Trey Wayne's money. You know, Patrick Peterson's wrapping up uh, his contract. But, like, James Bradbury just got paid. Xavier Howard got paid. Byron Jones got – eight. Like, he's not taking less than Byron Jones,
1: right? Yeah. I, well, I mean, one problem for the Rams is that they have the fewest amount – they have no cap space. They have zero cap space. They rank 32nd in cap space right now. They have less than a million dollars – in cap space, and they're trying to hammer out this huge deal. Uh, according to Over the Cap, the Rams have exactly $569,169 in cap space, the only team under a million. So if you're trying to get a deal done now, Darius Slay has the highest average at $16.7 million. So you have to get Ramsey to sign a deal that's probably going to be worth $17 million per year. I think the only upside for the Rams, the reason – they need to get a deal done just from a cap standpoint so they know what they're working with over the next few years. And the one thing that is working in their favor is that they've already accounted for, uh yeah, Jalen Ramsey counting for $13.7 million against the cap this year. So, like, it's not a huge hit. They could probably get that cap hit down to $10 million and then add, you know, to the future years of the contract so they could actually save money by getting this extension done soon. Uh, but they do need to get it done soon.
0: But to your point about the Darius Slay thing, so he signed that extension with the Eagles, right, after he was traded from the Lions. Um, it's re- like, as I think this is reported by uh, NBC Philadelphia, NBC Sports Philadelphia, basically it can turn out to be a two-year $26 million deal where the Eagles can get out from under it after the 2021 season. But after the 2021 season, that's already too late for the Rams and Jalen Ramsey. Like he's going to be playing on tags and just be trying to hit the market. So it's, it really doesn't behoove you to try and string this out. Although I do understand, you know, Breach's point about the, the caps. This is why the Todd Gurley deal was disastrous. Like this, okay. ultimately- this is why the Marcus Peters deal was, we keep glossing over that. They had Marcus Peters. They traded him. Oh, sure.
3: Marcus no. Peters just signed a 42 million three-year deal. That's 14 million a year. Breach has mentioned 13.7 million next year on the cap is what Jalen's going to cost. Hey, there's $14 million right there. You can pay Marcus Peters. I know maybe he wasn't great in the locker room or he's hard to get along with, but he got along fine in Baltimore once he he got there and they started winning football games. Jalen Ramsey, is he a better player? Absolutely, no doubt about it. Is he two first-round picks better than Marcus Peters? Clearly not, because Marcus Peters played better than Jalen Ramsey over the second half of the season. And right. this is why the Jalen Ramsey trade
1: is disastrous. Because look, they traded for him and did put that deal in place. That like it, Sean hit it with the Laramie Tunsil thing. You can't do that. You can't give up first two first round picks and not get the deal in place. If this was a sign and trade where they gave up the picks and Ramsey signed his future contract, uh, an extension in October when the trade was made, then this makes a lot of sense. But now he can just say, "Oh, you guys are offering me seventeen million a year." Yeah, call me back when you're offering me twenty million a year. It's kind.
2: Of, it is kind of bizarre because there's obviously not many trades that happen in the NFL for two first round picks. But when I think when you go back to look at the ones that happened in history, a contract does happen pretty quickly right after like the bears with Khalil Mack. I think the same day they announced a contract extension. And I think even going way back when the bears gave up two first round picks for Jay Cutler, it was like within place weeks after it's very bizarre to give up two first round picks and not hammer out the extension right away. Because by giving up those two first round picks, you are sending that signal that yes, you are going to be part of our team for a long time.
0: Uh, Go to the Leonard Williams deal if you want. Like you trade a second round pick for Leonard Williams. You should have some, something in place to try to reserve him at uh, something other than a franchise tag. Um, because if not, you're going to end up in a position where you don't have financial control over the player that you just gave up a ton of assets for. And there's when you have to overpay on market value for said player, then you are, you are, uh, you are essentially dealing with uh, you know, you're getting a double hit there. I'm trying to think, like, who did, who did the, um, have we even seen the Jaguars picks now? So they just have one pick in. What is it? Uh,
3: right? got number 20, I guess they had number nine and number 20 and they got, um, Caleb on chase on at number 20. I think at number nine, they got the J. Henderson. J. Henderson. Yeah.
0: So yeah. Think- but the deal.
2: It was the twentieth pick that they got from the Rams for sure, and then the two two thousand twenty one first round pick also.
0: Yeah, like there's still another first round pick that you're giving up. And
2: you <laughs> know, I know the Rams could be good, but also they have to play in the toughest division. Like it, it wouldn't it be inconceivable if that's a top ten pick.
0: Sure, sure. I mean, like, what if Jared Goff regresses? If Jared Goff takes another step back, and look, like you can look at like DeForest Buckner's deal. The Colts gave up a first round pick, a very high pick for him, and look, he's the highest paid four three defensive tackle in the league. But his total contract is $84 million. It's $21 million a year. But the, the difference
3: is they had $4 billion in cap space, whereas John points out the Rams have
0: $25. Right. Like, the Rams were a team. If there was ever a team in the NFL that is better off saving two first-round draft picks and using it to take players, it's the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah. Like, if they had not made the, the Ramsey deal, and if they hadn't uh, – and, and then they trade Brandon Cooks anyway – I mean, they would have had a bunch of picks early on and they could have added a, I mean, like four quality players in a really deep draft. Would you so- rather,
3: which team is in better shape to, to be better down the stretch had they not traded their, the, um, oh, they went the other way. I was thinking about the Texans. The Texans actually, oh, the Texans did give it two first round picks. So the Texans or the Rams, who will be better, who's going to be in better shape two years from now? Um, if they had no Laramie Tunsell and if they had no Jalen Ramsey but had the picks instead, do the Texans
1: have DeAndre Hopkins?
3: We'll leave everything else the same except those two first round picks. So yes, DeAndre's gone, and they have Brandon Cooks too. Just the two first round picks. Probably the Rams, just (laughs) because of the
1: quarterback.
2: Well, just because of the quarterback.
3: No, the Texans. I think the Texans. Yeah, same. I think the Rams because
1: I trust their front office to draft players more. Fair enough.
0: Um, Ryan, I'm glad to find. I'm glad to know that you've figured out how to e-fart on Zoom too, not just Skype. Okay, don't to blame. Blame everyone else. Eating e beans again. <laughs> Get it because it's a fart joke. Oh, uh, Antonio will Antonio Brown play in twenty twenty? Working out with everybody: Dwayne Haskins, Lamar Jackson. And uh, Wait, here's my
3: question: Have you guys seen the the Twitter workout video where he's wearing the Raiders helmet in the Steelers pants? <laughs> you not seen that? No. Oh, check it out. He he was he's running routes with a Raiders helmet on and Steelers pants and I think a a neutral shirt. But my question isn't that he's working on Dwayne Haskins, all these other NFL players. He's running routes against what looks like a 12-year-old cornerback, and he's destroying the kid. But, I mean, I don't know what my takeaway is supposed to be, that he's he can run successful routes against someone who looks like they've been playing football for two and a half weeks.
2: There is no takeaway, because the question isn't if Antonio Brown can still play football at a higher enough level. It's everything that happens off the field.
0: I I don't want to see Antonio Brown ever.
2: That's why I don't watch the videos. Like I'm so over everything the dialogue around him. And I just I don't see a team signing him. I think someone on this podcast I felt like has predicted that he will play.
1: I um, have been that person Sean. Instead of uh not mentioning my name, why are you subtweeting me during a podcast, man? I'm right here. Just say my name. I am name. the one who thinks Antonio Brown is going to play. I still think he's going to play. I think some team will take a flyer on him, give him zero guaranteed money and and say hey look you're gonna get a bunch of game day bonuses if you're on there you get you get them if you're not you're not and i think the two most likely teams will probably be baltimore and seattle like lamar jackson's pretty pretty vocal that he wants antonio brown seattle you're the nfl mvp you carry a little bit of weight the front office is going to listen to you uh and that doesn't mean they're going to sign antonio brown because there is a bunch of you know all those red flags you have to deal with and and Obviously he has all that stuff hanging over his head. We don't know if he's going to be suspended. And I think the Seahawks, I think Russell Wilson's made it pretty clear he would also like to have Antonio Brown on the team. And the Seahawks are that crazy team that will do anything. You never know what's going to happen with them. Uh, and so I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up there. I think those would be the two likely spots if he ends up playing.
3: I, what did Russell I... Wilson said though? Exactly. I've heard like the tweets reading that he's interested, but has he come out and said anything? What were his exact words? Mm,
0: I think Russ wants to
3: win. So I don't, I don't. But Russ also didn't seem super pumped when all those guys were ganging up, game, ganging up on him for being whatever it is that they accused him of being. Not a team player, whatever that was, four or five years ago, those conversations.
1: Oh, yeah. the uh I think, I don't want to misquote anyone, but I think it was John Clayton who said Russell Wilson would love to add Antonio Brown. Yeah, I think,
3: I think you're right. It was Clayton. I didn't know if, if uh, Russ had said anything on the record.
1: And he also said that, Antonio Brown is close with Geno Smith, who <laughs> recently signed a contract <laughs> with the Seahawks.
0: I think it was the around the NFL guys I heard, cause like Greg Rosenthal is a big Geno Smith guy, like he loves Geno Smith for some irrational reason. And I heard them mentioning this and it, 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 it reminded me, like, you guys remember when Geno Smith got punched by a teammate? Sucker punched. Was it 2012? Is that right? 2000, no, no, cause he was, he was drafted in 2013. Was he a rookie? I think so. Uh,
2: it's 2015.
0: Yeah, I was definitely
2: at CBS when that happened.
0: I mean, that feels like 5 million years ago, one. I mean, it was a long time ago. But, like, two, I, I feel like that sort of falls under one of the more bloggable stories of the last 25 years.
3: Like your quarterback gets punched. That's the beginning of the pre, uh, the before, just before the start of the season and Gino was supposed to be the starter and he he missed time, I think, because his jaw had, August
2: August 11th was Ryan story.
1: And then
3: Rex Ryan sent that dude out as a captain to handle (laughs) the coin
1: toss, uh, when, when that guy got signed in Buffalo.
0: remember we weren't, see, why weren't we doing emergency podcasts then? Oh, that definitely would have been one. Yes, a hundred percent. It was an insane moment. He, the starting quarterback got blasted in the face, by and a, it was over
2: like a six hundred dollar plane ticket. It was three
0: hundred dollars. I think it was three hundred dollars. I, it's, I uh, just
2: found the story. Well, originally okay. it was reported at six hundred,
0: but. Uh, and Antonio Brown, as uh, Debo points out, also ran routes against our guy Chad Johnson. You know, we should have Chad on the program sometime. Chad and I, Chad and I, go back. We used to do a video show on CBSSports.com.
1: Yeah, maybe we'll get them, uh, when we do these franchise five things. Chad's getting some votes for,
3: uh, Ooh. Bengals one.
0: Really? One those, one of those videos we do in Ocho Cinco.
3: Were you high energy Princeton or low energy Princeton? High energy, baby.
0: It was my first time ever doing video. It was, it, it was, it was, uh, it was certainly, um, intimidating. It was me, Pete. I was, I was hosting CBS like, I was like, all right, you're hosting with Prisco and Ocho Cinco. It's like, what? like, what a you mean I'm hosting with Prisco? I fly down every Thursday and I host a show with Prisco. Oh, yeah. Then they you brought never, on.
3: You would never work the Thursday night games and you made me and Breach do all the work. I remember that. All the
1: work. <laughs> Some nightmares.
0: I was hosting the show. Sure, Brinson. Fort
1: classic Brinson spin. Yep. Good God. That's all I'm hearing here. You people. Um, This video of Antonio Brown is hilarious. Like, why is he wearing a Steelers pants? He literally, I get the Raiders helmet because that might be the only helmet he has. Like the helmet he hated though. I know. So he's wearing this helmet he hates. He literally could wear any pants he wants and he's wearing pants that are at least two years old. <laughs> like what is going
0: on? I, just don't, I don't, I don't need AB in our lives anymore. Um, okay. So, uh, I guess we're going to talk some golf as well. The match took place on Sunday over Memorial Day weekend. That was Peyton Manning and, uh, Tom Brady is his name. They weren't together. They weren't playing together.
3: Phil Mickelson. I keep
0: getting it mixed up because they're paired incorrectly in my mind. Like it was – is it Peyton Phil and, and Phil and Tiger and Brady?
1: That's the opposite of what it was. Yeah, like it, was you, it was. You literally had a 50-50 chance of getting this correct. No, 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 no. But it was, it
0: was, no, no. Look, there's a reason. for it. it was Tiger and Peyton versus Phil and Brady. But that's weird to me because in my mind, like if you were creating a comparison, Phil is to Tiger what Peyton is to Brady. You know what I mean like like they competed in the same era, they battled against each other. one guy came out like with way more titles than the other, uh, but the other guy probably is a top ten guy of all time at the position or or what the the sport that they play, and like if top ten top three, what do you mean top ten, both those guys are top three guys uh Phil McClus is not a top three golfer
3: all time no, not even close. I have to ask my my guy Kyle Porter about that I mean tiger,
0: or you could ask the guy. Arnie, Arnold Palmer. I mean, or you. Could I don't ask even.
3: A, I don't even watch golf.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, or you could ask the guy who went on Kyle Porter's podcast and discussed it with Kyle Porter. Sure, but go ahead, and text Kyle. Ask Kyle. Text him right now. Do it. Um, what's <laughs> what's the point? I don't know. He just, um, he wanted
3: us to know that he went on on the first the podcast. It's called
0: promoting the first cup podcast organically, Ryan. I know you don't like to help other people out. You're selfish. You live alone. You don't. You're a hermit. I understand it. Some of us like to help our, some of us are team players and we root for the other folks
3: at our office. Every night before I go to bed, I get on my knees and pray and say, dear Jesus, when I wake up in the morning, please let me be more like Will Brinson tomorrow.
1: (laughs) And every night before I go to bed, I drink a porter as a tribute to Kyle Porter.
0: Yeah,
3: that's, you should team up and, uh, anyway, go on with the, with your story, Brinson.
0: Uh, no, just the point was I was creating, setting the stage for the matchup. Um, apparently, uh, uh, Tom, uh, Tom Brady had nine takeaways on Instagram, and I'm sure Breach is all over it.
1: Brady, did you watch this thing, Brinson? Did you even watch it? I know you did a podcast with Kyle, but Classic, you would have been not watching it. I would uh, cut
0: the end of it. I was playing golf myself.
1: Um, so you missed all this. Yeah. I mean, Brady, Brady's complimenting Peyton Manning, which I thought was weird. That's not something usually Tom Brady does. He usually has a bunch of jokes. He made fun of his pants. Did you see his pants are it? His
0: pants split. Yeah. I, Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, like that whole, like rift of when they were playing has sort of healed up, I think, because A, they're, they're friends now. And B, like, I mean, they they were chief rivals for a long time, but like, it was, it just became so again, like with the, it's the same thing with Brady. and I mean, with Tiger and Phil, like they're boys now, there's no, there's no like animosity about where they slot out. Like Peyton and Phil would both tell you that, you know, as good as they are, they don't measure up to the
3: yeah. I would say I, there's there was more animosity between Phil and Tiger fifteen sure. ago than than Peyton and Tom.
0: That's the nature of the individual sport. Yeah, and
3: Phil's I'm not sure. top three. Not to think about. it. I'm out of the as a former golf editor at fan house. I should have known that.
0: That is sad that you're a former golf editor and you didn't know that.
3: Yeah, but like the last twenty years, you could argue that maybe he's top three.
0: Oh yeah, I just I think like if Phil had played in a different era when Tiger wasn't there, that's sort of my point. Like
3: yeah, that's the only else. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, if Peyton had played in the era without, you know, like if Peyton was Peyton came along after Tom Brady played. Like, who knows how many titles he wins or whatever.
3: You know, but um, how would Peyton be now? Like, he's playing with, like, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson. Is he just another a stiff, uh, an old-school stiff pocket passer who's the game's passing by? Is he still dominating?
2: I think he's still dominating. Still dominating.
3: Who Like, who would he compare to now? Like, who plays like that now? Aaron Rodgers doesn't really. Roethlisberger doesn't when he's healthy. Well, he, I, no one p- Yeah, he would be the closest. You think? Yeah, I guess so. But I feel gonna... like
2: no one has really like Peyton Manning. I feel like his legacy is so enhanced by the fact that no one was doing everything that he was doing. Like his his legacy is getting up to the line of scrimmage quickly and then doing his Omaha crap for twenty five seconds and then snapping it with one second left and getting you know eight yards on that play. Like no one is really doing that even today.
3: But I mean, like a super unathletic guy who excels with brain power. First yeah.
2: I like the breeze.
3: Yeah, I mean, look, I um... you believe we didn't hear a um Andy Dalton drop there, Breach.
1: Guys, I've been trying to rein in the Andy Dalton mentions, but you know what? I'm gonna beef him up starting in June.
0: Okay. Yeah, Sean already got his Jay Cutler reference in and nobody called him on it somehow. I didn't hear it. Thank God.
2: I was debating if I should do it or not, but you looked at, you were looking down, so you looked distracted, so I went for yeah. it. Um
0: anyway, was it, by, by the way, like going into it, we were talking about this in the first Cut podcast, but like Tom Brady, if you look at his USGA recorded scores, uh he has um, he like, it's like 93, 84, 81, 85, 106 out of nowhere. It was like, is, if people were like, is he a sandbagger? That's what he had scored at medalist the time he played before. Like that course is hard. And he's an eight. Uh, yeah.
3: Yeah. Eights don't get 106.
0: Yeah. Right. No, I mean, he did it at medalist. That's just how hard the course was. Um, and you know, look, eventually the, the better team pulled away and, uh, no surprise. Anyone I, I will
1: him? say though that I thought Brady was the biggest winner over the weekend because all the memeable moments happened to him. Everything that happened to Brady are the things you're going to remember. Yeah, Tiger and Peyton won, but a year from now, what's anyone going to remember from this match? That Tom Brady hold out from 150 yards, that his pants ripped down the butt crack, and, uh, you know, that he was trash-talking Charles Barkley. Those are going to be the three things that everyone remembers. So I thought he came away the big winner.
3: Okay. Yeah, he he could have done just about anything and come away the big winner. I mean, the fact that Tom Brady, I mean, he's incredibly handsome. He's managed to supermodel, all that. He ripped his pants on national television and everyone's like, yeah, it's just Tom. It happens like anyone else. If it's Peyton Manning, we'd be making fun of him. If It was Tiger Woods. We'd be, God knows what we'd be saying about him and Phil Mickelson as well. But Tom Brady, he's probably one of the few people on planet earth who can rip their pants in broad daylight on planet earth. And no one's like, yeah, it happens. And then he holds out. Yep. Where did he have the extra pair of pants? Why didn't he have the
0: extra pair of pants? Oh, I thought he changed. Um, I don't know. I, maybe he didn't. I didn't watch it. <laughs> I didn't watch Brent, it. It was golfing, remember, right? <laughs> golf. Yeah. Yeah. One he to <laughs> play golf. On
3: the on the green.
0: Yeah. I actually forgot to eat lunch out there and played. I played really well on the front, on the first good stretch. And then, you know, just sort of. Then the beer, the
3: beer kicked in and beer you set in lunch.
0: fatigue set in. Yeah. Um, and it was raining too. It was tough. We played it. weather like they played in. man. That makes, that makes golf a lot harder. How much money it's, did you lose? Uh, five dollars.
1: Times a hundred.
0: No, it was five dollars. It was a, it was a, it was a, it was a close match for much of the match. But then again, I didn't play well. I needed to cover my team and I didn't do it. Uh, I look, these events are awesome. They're fun to watch. Uh, they're a welcome relief. They raised 20 million dollars. It's welcome relief during, uh, the coronavirus. And, uh, I hope every, and, and, you know, I hope that everyone, uh, you know, you listen to, uh, listen to what Tom Brady says and, uh, be safe out there. See you on Monday. We got a back coming.